Hi everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs on business and personal growth tips. Today we have Mark Joseph Josephson from Bitly, who is this, he's also the CEO. Um, so Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. So I'm Mark, glad. can you give us a little background on yourself first? Sure. Um, I have spent the past 20 years uh, building uh, startups uh, in New York in the new media space. Um, I'm a New Englander and a Boston Red Sox fan by heart, uh, by, by breeding. I uh, live in New Jersey with my wife and family uh, and work in New York City. Nice. Great. So 20 years in the, in the startup space, and then uh, it's been said that you are, uh, you are a preeminent startup executive. So how does one go from you know, starting, you know, let's say someone's you know, 25-ish, they're director of marketing at a startup, how do they become a Mark Josephson? Oh, God. Did my mother send you that, that <laughs> quote? Uh, look, I, I think you know, I, I started off working in an agency, uh, in an agency environment where you get access to uh, an exposure to lots of different clients and lots of different businesses. Uh, and it was very clear to me when I was working on sporting goods uh, and consumer products on one hand and new media businesses getting a seed and A round funding, one was moving slowly and one was a rocket ship. Um, and I think it was the, the Sheryl Sandberg, um, Eric, uh, mm-hmm. uh, quote that if there's someone offers you a seat on the rocket ship, you don't ask which seat, um, you get on the rocket ship. And so you know, I made the decision to get as close as possible to growth opportunities mm-hmm. um, and then to try to leverage my skill set um, and work as hard as I possibly could to find opportunity in there. So get so so I think you have to align yourself with growth opportunities and get as close to um, those as possible. Got it. And your background is in marketing, right? Yes. So can you tell the audience there's there's a big difference between being a marketing executive and being a CEO? Can you kind of um, walk us through that? Yeah, there you know there, there's a big difference, but I don't think it's as big as people think. Um, I think the things that I learned as a marketer and in, my, in being trained as a, as a marketer are understanding uh, value propositions and audiences and being able to understand what we do really well. What the, well it starts with the opportunity, right? It's mm-hmm. like, what does the market say? Where's their market opportunity? What's, uh, what's working? What's not? And where's, where, where can you, where's the segment that you can move to or, or own, right? Always t- you're always doing the, the four quadrants and you always want to be in the upper right. So defining the market is a skill that marketers need to understand and, and trained and skilled marketers know how to do. And then you see opportunity. And then as a, as a marketer, you have to understand what you're great at as a business and a product and what problems you're solving for people and understanding how to position that in a way that puts you in that upper right quadrant, whatever, however you define it. And so understanding that is like, a huge part of being a CEO because that's how you drive vision and that's how you drive product development and that's how you drive uh, momentum, right? The pieces that, that you have to, to augment that with is um, sort of how to communicate that, how to d- define that in a strategy, how to recruit and train and motivate people. Um, that, that, that's, that's different. Um, but I will say what I learned as a marketer absolutely helps me do that every day. Um, clarity and consistency of messaging, uh, speaking with one voice, understanding what you do well, what you want to do well, and saying that consistently. Um, you know, it, it, I, I don't, you don't A-B test your vision statement, uh, but uh, you know that you need to make every word count uh, and, and have that kind of um, focus uh, on the detail of that, which you learn as a marketer. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff carries over. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about Bitly right now. I mean, how many, uh, you know, uh, whatever your key metric is, how many embeds are you getting per day? I mean, can you give us an yeah. idea of what kind of scale you guys are at? Sure. Today? 
So uh, I think everybody knows that Bitly's been around for a little while. We started in 2008 when social started, uh, and particularly with the growth and explosion of Twitter. Uh, Twitter turned out to be this amazing platform for sharing links, uh, and the links are long, and the world needed shorter links. Uh, and we were there, and we solved that problem to shorten those links. But what we do, uh, and what we've done from the start, is really look at not what just how those links get clicked, but how they get shared and what happens to that link when it gets shared around the web. And that's what we were really interested in. So we actually don't talk about the number of shortens that we do. Mm -hmm. We talk about the number of encodes. How many links are we encoding uh, in our platform on a regular basis? Because we take that very long link and we make it very short mm -hmm. by wrapping it in our code. Right. It basically becomes a smart, a smart uh, tag that goes everywhere your content goes. So we're really big to the point where we're encoding about 500 million links a month. Wow. Right? And those links are generating up to 7 billion clicks or decodes a month. Wow. So we're seeing decodes or clicks out of significant number of clicks out of every single social platform, every single uh, media site, every publisher, every brand site in just about every country in the world. And we're doing that and correlating decode activity and in, in, in profiling against across property. So mm -hmm. we're able to look at a click, a click history uh, against different properties and across the web. Um, and another key metric for us is how many brands we work with. So we're working with over 40,000 of the webs of the world's most important brands to help them manage their social presence. And it's on a freemium model. So we have some at the top uh, who are, who are we're using our, our tool set and for free, and that's wonderful. And then we offer more valuable products and services and insight uh, as you work down the funnel into more, uh, you know, deeper relationships. Cool. Got it. So it sounds like there's, there's, a, okay, there's a freemium model and then there's a paid model as well. I mean, um, what's, what's the main revenue driver today? Yeah, so the main revenue driver is, is a product we call Bitly Brand Tools. Okay. And Bitly Brand Tools is a, is a suite of features to help marketers um, leverage and control their brand on their, across their content in all, all their social strategies, mm -hmm. and then optimization and insights to help make it perform better. Right. So we were particularly focused on the power of the link. We believe that the link is a fundamental, uh, an elemental piece of all marketing campaigns and all brand strategies, uh, and we give you the tools to maximize the power of that link. So it starts with branding and the branded short domain. So uh, as you scroll through Twitter and you see es.pn and nyti.ms and uh, amzn.to, real brands with short domains that are represent their brands, that's actually us uh, running that for them. Huh. That's a product that we, so we manage that branded short domain for them. And every marketer knows that you need to brand everything you do and you need to be consistent. Uh, an interesting stat is that 15% of a tweet is the link. And if you think about one of the things that we do is we give every marketer the ability to optimize the performance of that 15%. Mm -hmm. If you ask any marketer, uh, if I gave you 15% more characters in a tweet, could you make that work better? And the answer is, of course, yes. So uh, it's, uh, it starts with the brand and the branded short domain. And the second part is around optimization. So we give uh, brands the ability to customize the back half of the domain. So think uh, es.pn slash Super Bowl or am.zn slash coupon or back to school and manage that as a creative process and a creative product, but also give full stats and detail and insight on how those perform so you can A-B test and you can manage those links and that performance over time. And all of those, the branding and the 
optimization is fueled by all of the click tracking and demographics and psychographics and geographic and data that we, we funnel up and give to make that all work better. And so, so we have uh, 40,000 brands we work with at the top and a subset of those who pay us for those deeper uh, products and Bitly brand tools at cool. the bottom. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, my, my impression of Bitly as a marketer before was just a freemium tool that I'd use to just, you know, check out my links and see who's, you know, how many clicks I'm getting. But it sounds like there's a lot more implications than that nowadays. There's, there's, so, mu- there's so much more to do. And really, any marketer who um, cares about what happens to their link and what their links look like and how they perform uses Bitly. Got it. And you guys just partnered up with Moz as well. So can you tell us what, why, you know, why you guys decided to do that and what, how that's going to help people overall? Sure. So, so we've, we've been building this business for five years, and um, I, I think some of the best, best companies out there are ones that focus on building a product that everybody uses uh, and loves, like you mentioned, and everybody, a lot of people think we're just a free product, and that's mm-hmm. fantastic, and we're happy to do that. Um, but while we've been doing that, we've been able to amass uh, a data set that's pretty unparalleled. Uh, we have, because we are uh, doing such volume on the decode side, Across in such a horizontal and ubiquitous way, we have a we have a uh, a differentiated view on how people use the web, right? Unlike a uh, unlike traditional uh, ad networks or data um, cookie companies, we actually see what happens at the click. So we're able to see where you were, what you clicked, that you clicked, and where you went, and run science and algorithms and data uh, and, and augment that data to help make that a richer understanding. Mm-hmm. So we know how people use the web. And so part of what we're trying to do from a, from a shareholder maximization standpoint and building the, the value of our business is where can we take some of that data and help other businesses make better decisions by letting them have access to that data. So um, uh, I, know that, uh, I know that Rand, uh, you've spent time with Rand on this show. Yep. Uh, Rand is one of my favorite people. And you know, Rand's business is helping uh, marketers understand SEO better. And mm-hmm. so uh, part of what we see is we see um, some people license the Twitter stream to see which links are being shared to understand that as a proxy to popularity. We actually know a deeper level than that. So we know what links are being clicked on, not just the ones that are being shared. So it's another level down the funnel. And that shows intent and shows popularity in a way that nobody else can do. So we made, part, we made a portion of that available to Moz to help their customers make better decisions. Wow. Got it. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, so 7 billion, uh, 7 billion clicks or decodes a month. I mean, what's, feeling, you know, what, what's driving growth today? Uh, mobile. Uh, and at the top line of our, of our click growth is mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, the explosion in mobile and people... Uh, consuming much more in mobile, we saw a very distinct tick uptick when uh, last year when Facebook made the move to go mobile, almost mobile only, mm-hmm. uh, and we saw a direct correlation in increase not only in Facebook clicks but in every click off of mobile. About wow. half of our click, about half of our clicks are from mobile now. Wow. Okay. Cool. And I guess backtracking a little bit, how did you, um, how did Bitly acquire kind of its first 100 users? I always like the first 100. Uh, the first 100. Well, I wasn't here for that, so mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm gonna assume um, the first 100 users are are hand to hand combat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to really understand the needs and the and the proposition that you can fulfill for them. So there's no I don't know if it's the first 100 or the first 10, depending on the scale of your business. But um, as a marketer or as a small business owner or somebody driving a business, if you don't know exactly what those people are buying and why they want to buy it, uh, then you're not going to scale it. Yep. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 
I, I like I like that uh, I like that expression hand to hand combat. People say do things that don't scale, but this is a new this is a new phrase that I think I'm going to well, steal. <laughs> well, I think right. Well, I think be my guess. I didn't make it up, but I think that like when I think about scaling businesses, and this is my fifth startup, and most of my experience is in taking other people's really great ideas mm-hmm. and scale and scaling them, mm-hmm. and um, like anybody who's just coming into a business or uh, starting a business. Like you have to get to the point where it's going to scale over time so that it can be repeatable. Mm-hmm. It has to be measurable, and so you have to measure, be able to measure it so you can optimize it and repeat it. Mm-hmm. But when you're starting something and you don't know if people are going to want the yellow version or the red version, you've got to try them both, and you've got to get in there and really understand it. Mm-hmm. Like the first, the first 10 or first 100, depending on the scale of your business as an entrepreneur. Got it. And you know, you just you just said something that really interested me because I, I came I came in and, and I took over this company as well. So I mean, it's almost the same thing for you. So when you when you came in and you took over, what were some initial challenges that you had to face? Was there like was there any you know resistance? What'd you have to go through? Um, well, it was it was made really easy for me by the investors and the and we did a, a slow intro and ramp up over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that anytime you you it, this is not about me. This is about anybody coming into a business that uh, you know hired in uh, and to run a business. You really have to understand what. You, first of all, you have to understand what you're trying to accomplish, right? So you have mm-hmm. to be aligned. You have to be aligned with the investors. You have to be aligned with um, the management team to understand what the objective is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think you have to be willing to go in and make some hard decisions about what we're doing and what we're not doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things that Bitly is is really best in the world at. We've built an amazing scale uh, and enterprise level um, uh, volume and. You know, we have a significant, a statistically significant portion of all the web's traffic ro- routes through us on a daily basis, and that's rock solid, battle tested, unbelievable. Um, but we hadn't ta- I don't think we'd taken it to market in a in an effective way uh, mm-hmm. from a commercial standpoint. So that's change. Um, change happens in all businesses, uh, and so I think from a from a leadership standpoint, you can't be afraid to uh, you can't please everybody all the mm-hmm. time, uh, but you have to do what's right by the business and have a clear and consistent message that what you're trying to do. Agree. Consistency is key. Um, so, in terms of, in terms of your day to day, I mean, transitioning again. I, I transition. You know, the transition from being a marketing executive to CEO. You say it's not that different, but what does your typical day look like? Huh. Um, I'm not sure there is a typical day. Uh, one of my investors, one of our investors, Vinod Kosla, had I uh, read something that he wrote about that every CEO should never have more than fifty percent of their day scheduled mm. when they, before they walk in. Uh, and I aspire to that, but it's kind of hard to have that happen because I think the key thing as a CEO, uh, I think you need to do is build a great team and build a uh, team of people who are running the business. And my job is to support them and make sure that I'm helping them be really effective. So whether that's on the sales side, marketing side, product, engineering, uh, people, uh, it's how can I use my time to make them more productive? Uh, and so that's, I think, a lot about that. Um, I don't want the decisions to be made by me. I want them to be made by really talented people who feel empowered and close to the business and close to the product and understand it. So thinking about how to make the company and the team more effective is how, is how I want my typical day to be. That's not always the case. Mm-hmm. There's, always, there's always fire drills, but uh, um, my job is, and the CEO's job is not to do everything. It's to create the team that does it amazingly well and make it look effortless. Got it. And you know it's it's interesting. I think uh, Fred Wilson said, um, which who's an investor, he was like, you know, the three main things a CEO needs to do is focus on recruiting, uh, vision, and money in the Capital. bank. And yeah. money in the bank. Yep. Yeah. So 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 Fred, uh, there's nobody smarter or nicer than Fred. 
uh, Fred was an investor in my last company. He was on my board nice. in the last company. So uh, I learned a ton from, uh, from him and how he, uh, I just, and then continued to. So, wow. Yeah. So, so I agree. I agree. It's the, the team and it's funding and it's, and it's vision, consistency. Cool. Great. So I guess let's let's um, let's step back over to the marketing side. Um, you know, obviously you're very seasoned in marketing. I mean, what what do you see? You know, where do you see marketing going? You know, today, let's say in the next five years. Well, I think that there's some universal truths that I've learned in the past fifteen to twenty years working with marketers and, and being a marketer myself. Mm. Uh, the first is that you know every marketer is going to chase the next uh, level of optimization. So it started off as keywords, then it became behavioral, and it might be you know like. There's always anything I can do as a marketer to turn the dial, to improve my ROI, to improve my conversion, and improve my results. I'm going to try, mm-hmm. right? And, and I'm going to do that. So I think that as a as a provider or as, a, as somebody in the marketing space, you have to always be aware of what's next, and you can't be fighting last year's battle. Fighting a battle on display premium display today um, is not as important as fighting a battle on mobile uh, ROI, mm-hmm. right? Picking two buzzwords, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be thinking about that because marketers are always going to go after that next level of optimization. Um, I think that's really important. I think the other thing that's, that's ha- that has played out in, in other media, different media that I've seen, is that um, it, it is a strategic and moral imperative for every marketer to understand ROI. Mm-hmm. And saying uh, we're looking for more engagement, we're looking for more reach, I have this many fans, I have this many followers, or we got this many page views uh, or impressions is irrelevant. And, uh, and, and I see that changing. I, you, you saw that happen, what search did to display, mm-hmm. right? A very short amount of time. Like that happens across everything, and that's only going to be more so. It doesn't mean that there's not a tremendous value in brand. Because there is, because brands, by the way, win every time, hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and brand is really important, um, but you measure brand as well, and mm-hmm. you measure. You can put a metric on ROI on brand, uh, and I believe that across every media and across uh, across every medium and across every channel, you have to be able to track ROI, and you have to be able to prove that you spend a dollar and make ten, um, because you can. Uh, and that puts a ton of pressure on the economics of lots of different businesses, publishing businesses, intermediaries, agencies. But like, it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. In the same in the same way that Jeff Bezos says Amazon didn't happen to your business, the internet happened to your business mm-hmm. to the companies that are impacted by it. like that. The internet and ROI is going to happen to every marketer, and mm-hmm. you have to be like you have to know it. A subset of that is knowing your math, right? right. Marketing is arts. Marketing is science. Like, they're the same thing. You yeah. have to, like, increasingly have to understand your math. And if you don't, you're, you're dead in the water. Um, and then I think the third thing that's really important to understand from a marketing standpoint is that you have to be, it, I, I think a lot about success and the success of our customers and the success of our business. They have to be aligned. I think a lot of the historical uh, media businesses were about building a great audience, obfuscating the metrics underneath that, and selling a high CPM to uh, to deliver that audience. Um, now there's lots of ways to reach an audience, and and it's unclear at best how differentiated they are. Um, so uh, I think the best businesses are aligned with the success of their customers. And so uh, when if if you're working with a search provider or a um, or a CPA firm or whatever it is that you might be doing to acquire customers or reach your customers. Uh, I would look for ones that are on a performance basis over mm-hmm. time, uh, and and try to try to align yourself with people who do better when you do better. 
Yep, totally agree with that, which is, is something we, we increasingly, we as an agency increasingly try to do, um, you know, at least on the paid advertising side. Um, yep. So what do you say to the, you know, you brought up something interesting that kind of stuck to me. You said, um, you know, focus on ROI, which is, you know, music to my ears, right? But what do you yep. say to the social marketers that are like, you know, promoting content is, is more about engagement. It's about reach. You can't really measure ROI there. What do you tell those social marketers? Uh, I'd say get ready because that's, not, that's only going to last for so long, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's great companies, and we spend a ton of time talking about ROI and, and being able to demonstrate that for, for our customers. But, mm-hmm. like, it, it's, it's coming, right? And if you think you can hide behind reach numbers and engagement numbers without understanding what it actually does for your business, mm-hmm. uh, then, like, I don't know if it's tomorrow or this afternoon or a year from now, uh, the companies and brands that are going to win are the ones that are, are spending money and time and resources in a smart fashion that actually impact their business. Cool. I agree. And it's much more interesting, right? Wouldn't you, yeah. wouldn't you like, once you figure it, like, once, once marketers really get into uh, Excel and understand how, how numbers flow and by getting 1,000 followers uh, versus getting 10 of the right followers, mm-hmm. it's game-changing. Much more powerful, right? Yep. Um, What's your take on all of this? Uh, what's your take on the term growth hacking? Uh, I mean, I, I, I like it um, because I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's about being, uh, it implies like a, a constant iteration and a curiosity and measurement of what's working and what's not. I don't know if it's the best term or right term. I understand there's some, some debate over is growth hacking a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, what that means, it's constant curiosity. Well, number one, it's an understanding of what your key metrics are as a business, mm-hmm. right? And that every business needs to understand what the, their core metrics are mm-hmm. um, and the difference between a driving metric and a resultant metric. So you may want to move one lever to move your revenue, but there's another level you, lever you do to there's multiple ways you can move your revenue. You can have increase the customer count. You can increase the customer value. You can increase the, increase the number of salespeople you have. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are all different levers that drive to one number, which is the resultant metric of, me- of revenue. Right. Uh, and I think that growth hacking, <clears throat> as it were, is you have to understand what lever and what metric you want to move. And then you move it. And as long as you're focused on the right thing, uh, it'll move your business. And I think there should be a ruthless uh, experimentation um, and a ruthless prioritization of ways to move those levers. I think you broke it down perfectly. It, it's, it ultimately all comes down to a mindset, and it, it comes down to like a focus, right? Because a lot of mar- as you know, as marketers, we like to try all the new shiny things, but it ultimately mm-hmm. comes down to one thing, which is growth. And I, I and I think it's a I think it's a great thing. I think there's a lot of debate over it, and then some people are like, you know, are growth hackers really hackers? Do they know, are they technical? I'm not technical. I don't know if you are, but no, um, yeah. So cool. It, it's um. It's good to good to hear from a guy that's been doing it for a while. Um, so I guess breaking it down, three more questions here. Um, sure. What are your favorite uh, What are your favorite marketing blogs? Mm. What are my favorite marketing blogs? I I suffer from not enough time to really spend time. I don't know if I have a great answer for that. Uh, okay. I I you know I I don't. I, I think Seth Godin is a genius. I think that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't have a great answer for that. What, what should I be reading? What are the three blogs I should be reading? Oh, um, you know, I, I think Seth Godin is great. Um, you know, if I want to ever read marketing stuff, I like how you turned it on me. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll read. Uh, I'll read subreddits. Um, so I'll read like Reddit uh, startups. You know, Reddit. Um, I'll read GrowthHackers.com and you know Inbound.org. They generally yeah. have a lot of great stuff there. And yeah, you know, I take my content from there, and also I have my little my little Twitter list as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, sure. I live. I my first stop is Twitter every morning. So yeah. uh, you know, it, to ask me what 
ask anyone what blogs they read versus I just see stuff in my stream yep. that's interesting. Yeah. So, but that's good. I wrote those down. That's actually really interesting that we're, uh, we're going in that direction. It's not so much what's my favorite blog. It's we both read streams, so that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um, cool. In terms of um, productivity hack, what's one productivity hack that you recommend? Uh, hmm. Ruthless prioritization. Understanding that uh, you can't get 20 things done in a day, but you can get three and knowing what those three are. Right, so I keep a to-do list. I'm in Evernote uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what my top priority is for the day, and it changes. And I, if I can, uh, so my so my productivity hack is ruthless prioritization. You always have a list of things you want to get done, but start from the top. So what percentage? And that's something I try to do, but sometimes I just completely fail. So what percentage of the time are you getting all three of those rocks done? Fifty uh, percent of the time. Okay, I should say that. Because then there's surprises and things become you know more important at the time, yep. right? And so, like the the as a marketer, this goes back to your first question. Mm-hmm. The, as a marketer, you you the expectation should be you can control everything mm-hmm. except for the stuff you can't control. But like any marketer who is not on a branded short domain, who's not customizing the back half of that link and then running a promoted tweet mm-hmm. with a uncustomized, unbranded Bitly link mm-hmm. says to me that they haven't, we haven't reached them and been able to tell them the story about what they can control. Mm-hmm. So they can control everything. But like as a CEO and being uh, responsible for so much more of the business, mm-hmm. all of the business, mm-hmm. there's just stuff you can't control, right? Like, you know, we have 55 people and every day there's something interesting happening in there. Every day we have another partnership request or a corporate development opportunity or a investor doing a b and c and there's things that that's why i try to keep half of my day open every day got it okay cool i I lied by the way another question just popped into my head um so as a ceo you know your job's recruiting right so how do you um are you trying to continually hire you know people smarter than you and if so you know how how do you you know what's one thing you do to make sure this what's one thing you do to kind of gauge if this person's really smarter than you or not uh if well i hope that i'm smart too but um (laughs) but they're smarter uh uh, well, the one thing is, do they, when I'm sitting in the room talking to them, does it feel like my job's getting harder? Mm-hmm. It's going to be harder because I have to keep up with them. Uh, and so that's a common thread I've seen in the people that I've hired that mm-hmm. are better than me, mm-hmm. is that I ha- I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, oh shit, uh, I need to, uh, I'm going to need to really up my game to make this person productive. And that's thrilling for me, right? I've done it both ways. I've hired people that um, I told what to do, mm-hmm. uh, and that gets you only so far. Yeah. Um, but now, uh, you know, for example, our CTO, Rob Platzer, uh, like, oh my God, does he drive the business? Mm-hmm. And do I need to like keep up and prepare myself for when I meet with him because I want to make sure that uh, I'm supporting him with what he needs, for example. Got it. Okay. No, I like that. I'm going to use that in the future. Um, final question here. So what's one book uh, entrepreneurs need to read? Uh, oh, my favorite. Uh, um, I think it's called The Carrot Seed. It's a children's book. I have three little kids or three mm. boys. Um, there's a book that I uh, – it's the book that says uh, the little boy planted a carrot seed and every day he watered it and every day he uh, every day he picked the weeds around it and his big brother said it won't come up and his parents said it won't come up. But every day he went back and watered that seed and pulled the weeds and his big brother came and said it won't grow up and his parents said it won't come up. And then one day it came up just like the little boy knew it would. Right, like that's the entire book. Yeah. Uh, but there's the belief that what you're doing uh, matters. There's the belief that what you're doing is going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't don't start a company because uh, you think it's a good idea. Start a company because you have no other choice but to start that company. So wow. I I would read uh, 
I believe it's the carrot seed. The carrot That's, seed. Yeah, it's a it's a block. It's it's literally a toddler book, um, but that message I believe is really important. That's powerful. No, I that that actually makes things a lot simpler too. Um, great. So, Mark, thanks so much for joining us. You know, we thanks for so so much for the insight on Bitly. It certainly makes me want to check it out more as a marketer. Um, great. So, you know, hope to have you again on the show sometime soon, and uh, we'll talk to you later. And hopefully, hopefully, we can do it in person in Santa Monica. Yeah, absolutely. All right, take care. See thanks you. so much.